Hi, Eric. Hey, Aaron. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? Um, great. Uh, we got a face-to-face recording here in our local studio. Yes. And by local studio, I mean just a random room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are not professionals. We're not fancy. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about um, uh, Corinthians Okay. Today. Yeah, let's talk about the Corinthians, the people of Corinth. The people of Corinth and the first letter or epistle, as, as it were. <laughs> of Paul to the Corinthians. Um, One comment before we start. Yes. We are not a Come Follow Me podcast. We're not. This is a coincidence. Unless, (laughs) you know what, unless you want us to be. You know, if you get on Discord and say, you know, do this or do that, we'll probably do it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to doing occasional aligned Come Follow Me episodes. Yeah. We probably need to do them a week before Come Follow Me so that we can get them up on time. Yeah. But um, it turns out that we're reading Corinthians in... Um, church, I guess. Yeah, all church, all church, all all latter day saintry. Yeah, simultaneously. And it's a weird book, man. It's um, I mean, Paul is. Here's one of the things about Paul is Paul the apostle. Paul the apostle. Yes. Uh, not Paul, former guest star on our show. Yeah, what a wonderful person. What a trooper. Um, so here's what I was gonna say is I think the KJV is actually a really fun read when it's telling stories. The King James Version. Yes, the King James Version of the Bible. 400 years old, but still fun. But I think reading doctrine in the KJV is just just not fun. Like, if there's no story, I just don't think it's the right book. And I think that's part of the problem. It's so hard to read yes. the King James Version. Yes. Okay? I've, I think I may have given up. <laughs> okay i'm not i was telling you before we started recording that when i was teaching seminary i started collecting bibles and i have quite a collection now and i don't yeah. need to read the kjv yeah. like i appreciate the beauty of the language and i can appreciate how the language and and how that language affects our understanding of scripture has really infiltrated culture in the english-speaking world example um well let's take genesis as an example okay um the way creation is described like in the beginning you know and that phrase all on its own yeah is a big part of our culture yeah even if you've never read the bible you probably are familiar with the phrase in the beginning yeah. and that it has some weight it's not just three normal words put together but it has something there's something else there and um a lot of the phrasing about adam and eve and the serpent and the tree like all that stuff is deep in our culture even if you're not a religious person even if you're haven't gone to church in three generations there's aspects of that language that is just in your cultural dna at least here in america the united states of america uh, no i think this is probably true of the english-speaking world generally okay. i mean i don't know that for a fact but i would suspect that's true it may not be the same bits right yeah i mean i think the beatitudes and the way they're phrased in the king james bible i, I bet that's across the english-speaking world but um it is true that america is a bit more religious than most of the rest of the english-speaking world so maybe Maybe I'm overstating the case. So you like that part, but... But the book is 400 years old. Yeah. And I am someone whose goal is to teach every Shakespeare play to a high school student at some point. Ooh. So um, I'm doing Cymbeline this year. How many How many are there? 30-something. Five? 30-something. Could you do them all in a year? Oh, no. That, that, I mean, I could, that's, but that would be... That's not what you mean. That would, no, I'm, I'm going to do them all eventually. I Although, when I say them all, I am... There's an asterisk. I'm not sure I'm going to do all the histories. You're not saying you're trapping a specific high school student. No. <laughs> in a room, and they don't get to leave till we've done them all. No, it's just every semester I teach a different one to my AP Lit class, and uh-huh. I'm slowly working my way through. So this year, there are two sections of AP Lit that are getting Cymbeline, uh, which is not a play very many people are I've never with. even heard of it. I've never read it, so Cymbeline? I got it. Cymbeline? Yes. 
C-Y-M-B-E-L-I-N-E. It's based on an ancient British keen, although it does not follow his story closely at all. Um, so, yes, I think I've given up. Yeah. What I mean by that is that I'm going to, you know, I'm teaching seminary the rest of the year, right? In the New Testament. And I'm not taking my KGV to seminary any longer. I think that's okay. Yeah. When I taught the New Testament, I brought my stack of translations and handed out a different translation to every kid and we could talk about the differences. Uh-huh. Thing is we know a lot more about ancient Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek than we did then. We should be able to have better translations. Who's we? Uh we I just mean um scholars. It's not me. I don't have a better knowledge of ancient Greek or okay. Aramaic or <laughs> Hebrew. Personally, no. My revision is um, the one recommended to me by one of our lovely um, Sunday school teachers here in the Berkeley Ward. Do tell. And it's called the New Testament, as you know. Clever it's, title. It's a good title. <laughs> uh, a Translation for Latter-day Saints, Revised Edition by Thomas A. Waymond. It's a great translation. Well, um, why? Um, well, it's great. Well, it's a translation for Latter-day Saints, right? And part of that is that... Um, he is allowing himself to be influenced by Latter-day understanding. He's a scholar and he is relying on his understanding of the languages and, and the scholarship. And he's doing a solid translation by any measure, but the footnotes incorporate the Book of Mormon, the um, Joseph Smith translation, things like that. Yeah. It feels to me like reading the footnotes to me feel like they're, you know, LDS KGV like yes i mean it was designed for an audience of people like us yeah can i borrow your copy for a second i want to read something from the introduction okay if that's okay it's just fine it's your copy i left mine at home i have a different bible with me today well i would love to hear about Um, it um oh it's under note to the reader do you want to rustle introduction some more that's good amsr yeah asmr asmr i don't there you go that's good all right that's good fully work (laughs) Man, Foley seems like the coolest job on a different life. (laughs) All right. So here is a quotation from Brigham Young that he quotes in this note to the reader. Okay. If the Bible be translated incorrectly, and there's a scholar on the earth who professes to be a Christian. And and, um, Aaron, what is is a Latter-day Saint's take on whether or not the Bible may be translated incorrectly? As far as it is translated correctly... We believe the Bible to be the yeah, word of God. Yeah, which implies what? That parts of it are not. Right. So he says if it is translated incorrectly, and we accept that it is, and if there is a scholar on the earth who professes to be a Christian, and he can translate it any better than King James's translators did, he is under obligation to do so, or the curse is upon him. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> if I understood Greek and Hebrew as some may profess to do, and I knew the Bible was not correctly translated, I should feel myself bound by the law of justice to the inhabitants of the earth to translate that which is incorrect and give it just as it was spoken anciently. Is that proper? Yes. I would be under obligation. Ooh. So Thomas Wayman is a Latter-day Saint, yeah. uh, including this in his note to the reader, is explaining <laughs> why he thought it was good. Because Latter-day Saints are pretty conservative, right? Yeah. We still use the KJV. And, I mean, I do like the KGV. I have read it all the way through, and I really do like the language. But if I really want to understand, and frankly, that's why I go to Scripture primarily, is for some form of understanding, then different translations are, frankly, better at that goal. Yeah, I find that it's night and day. Like, I've been reading a passage, you know, as I prep for seminary. I have no idea what's happening. I go and read the new, this, this particular translation right? Mm-hmm. It just is instantly clear as to what the meaning is. And then the footnotes give tons of context. Like it's a, it's a, it's a joy to read this Bible. 
Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to a confusing effort. A chore. To read the KGV. Yeah. So, um, coming back to Paul, yeah. I was saying, I think one of the reasons that Paul is hard for Latter-day Saints is because we feel really deeply attached to the KJV and almost as if it's sin adjacent to read other scriptures, which I don't think we should feel that way. Why do we feel that way? Oh my gosh. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And this goes back to like one of our first episodes of yeah. the show, right? Our pilot episode was, you know, face and hat, right? Right. Joseph Smith putting his face in a hat, right? And how it has always felt a little taboo. We had a, we had a whole episode on unutterables. Unutterables always. And, and yeah. you're you're up to date on our episodes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more up to date on our episodes than I've ever been because I'm slowly putting them all on YouTube. Actually, slowly is not fair. I think I've been pretty quick. Yeah. I've gotten in a week-ish, I've gotten almost all of them on YouTube. Okay, we'll come to that at the end. Yeah. But that's really cool. But yeah. Um, so, but why do we feel this way? I think... Do you want... Uh, I have a couple answers. Okay. None of them are super rosy. Uh-huh. I think part of it is that the KJV is in the public domain, so the church can publish it without having to pay anyone. Well, so the official church um, scriptures are KJV. Um, I think that's a reason. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think that's an illegitimate reason, but I don't think it's a great reason. Yeah. Um, also, is every other translation is connected to some other sect of Christianity Yeah. in some either closely or indirectly and you're if you say hey use the new international version you're indirectly agreeing with another sect of christianity and darn it aaron we're the restored church we're the ones who bring clarity (laughs) to things well i do have to say it's not nothing that this is translated by an lds person like i feel comfortable reading this edition right i feel comfortable reading that one during sunday school Uh uh-huh go on um, I have some other translations that um, I, I've read a number of translations in Sunday school I've been called on, but uh-huh. um, this one I feel like I can totally get away with for sure. No one will mind. <laughs> oh, 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 I see what you're saying. You're yeah. saying you're saying that you would feel comfortable actually taking the mic and on reading reading verses this version. six through seven. Yeah, yeah, without like making it seem weird. To yeah, everybody. I've I've read the Oxford edition in church. I've read the Message, which I'm going to be quoting from later in church, and a couple others. Like I have, but. Um, I feel really self-conscious about it. Yeah. And um, darn it, we're in the Berkeley Ward. <laughs> yeah. I actually think this Our is... teachers use different translations. Well, I was going to say, I bet you in our ward nowadays, it's not you could read whatever edition you'd want to. Our teachers have been so good at yeah. reading non-KGV. Yeah, I really don't think anyone would mind, but that that taboo is still deep inside me. Can we... Google this a little bit. Is this Google would that, would what that, specifically? Would that be gauche? like the churches? Gauche or gauche? Uh, neither of us is French. We can say it however we like. We're American, started. <laughs> specifically, why we don't use it? I'm just gonna Google. See that. if there's a okay. Yeah. Um, pause for the sound of typing. Uh-huh. Unless, unless it comes through, and it's good for. Yeah, we we may edit this out later. Maybe not. Why do Mormons? Sure. Mormons KJV. I would like to know if there's something on the church website. It feels authoritative. Well, this is in, from from a 2011 ensign. Okay, what does it say? Today, um, today English speaking church members use the Latter Day Saint edition of the King James Version of the Bible, based on the doctrinal clarity of the Latter Day Revelation given to the Prophet Joseph Smith. The church has oh. had has held to the King James Version as being doctrinally more accurate than 
recent versions. That's a really good point, but I disagree. Okay, so restate the point. Yeah, so the point is that the KJV is the one Joseph said was the best available in English. And it is the one that he uh, put the his translation notes in, right? So, yeah. so you kind of lose access to the Joseph Smith translation if you're not connected to the King James Version. But the idea that it was the best one in 1830, therefore it's probably the best one in 2023, is abject nonsense, right? A lot has passed since then. We know so much more, again, not me personally, yeah. but scholars know so much more about the world that was here and what the words mean and how the grammar works, that we have access to more um, original, well, maybe not original, but we have access to more manuscripts yeah. uh, of different ages. We just have so much more information that the only way I feel you can say is that modern translations are definitely inferior to the KJV is if you subscribe to this notion that scholars are um, the sort of evil men who are intentionally removing sacred truths from scripture as they translate. And I just, that doesn't vibe with me. Well, okay. I mean, there ain't an evil list, maybe not, but what about like, you're going to... So we talked recently on the show about grace versus works, yeah. right? And if I'm an evangelical person who has a very specific understanding of the word grace... It will affect your translation. It's going to affect my translation, right? You can find translations of the New Testament where Jesus is sprinkled. Is sprinkled, and that's, referring to the, My understanding to, is that that's baptism. pretty bad Greek, but it's how they do... But that's the problem, right? Like, the church should maybe just pay for its own translation. And Thomas yeah. Wayman's already done half the book for them. But but the problem with that, of course, is that then the church is endorsing certain interpretations and and I there's safety in not endorsing a new interpretation. Yeah. Look, and that safety I think is actually fairly valid. Like I, yeah, I I wouldn't I mean I am arguing against it. Yeah. But I think the thing to do is say um the saints should use a variety of translations. Yeah, okay. I love it. Um, I had a specific example from Corinthians, which is where we're at, okay? About Chloe. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's talk about Chloe. Chloe is very interesting, and I didn't know anything about her before mm -hmm. the um, before I started teaching these chapters in seminary. Yeah. And um, this is just an example of kind of the things that we know now, right? There are verses in like... Um, the chat the, in first Corinthians where Paul is responding to Chloe, yeah. who is this person who had apparently communicated somehow to Paul that there are problems in Corinthians and here are the problems. Yeah. Right. And in first Corinthians, Paul actually quotes from Chloe's letter that she sent him, but they're kind of mingled in with the other verses. Yeah. Right. And I, and now, now I don't know about now versus previously, it seems like we understand like where the, the breaks are like these yeah. are these we think are the like i'm reading the footnotes in here yeah, i'm sure like, you've studied this much more closely than me because i'm not teaching seminary this year so <laughs> well it's like I'll the, trust you. the footnotes are like we we now we now we think we understand like these are the words that are for being quoted from chloe and these ones and it's like word by word in the verse Saying, oh, interesting these the these four words are probably from chloe and then these next words are from paul in response uh, you know the problem was they that? hadn't invented quotation marks yet in proper citation oh like the actual physical concept of quotation yeah. marks 
I'm pretty sure that's true. Hey, Aaron, we should maybe pause for just a second for yeah. those not in the know. Could you tell us what seminary is in a Latter-day Saint context? Oh, what a great point. Um, it's, a, you know, religion school for high school kids. I mean, yeah. um, it is, you know, a bit less than an hour a day for, in our ward, four of the five days of the week, right? Well, for us, it's a four-day week. It's a four-day week. Yeah. And we meet at, um, in our case, um, a, a member's home, and we... Um, we have, we have eight students this year. I have only gone once. Yeah. It was the first day, actually. I went to the first day. I was the second adult. We have two adults. We have two adults yeah. in the class. For safety reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, um, we're going through the, we're going through the same, let through the same pace as the rest of the churches. Um, and this may be a good time to, to segue to, um, my point about Corinthians six. Oh, okay, sure. Should we talk a little bit sure. about Corinthians? Let me six? just say that I yeah. was I wasn't growling about Corinthians six. I yeah. was growling at it being on the same schedule as Sunday school because Sunday school's year round, seminary isn't, and um, I hate that change. Well, we would have missed um, if we hadn't compressed mm -hmm. the um, spring lessons. We would have missed the actual atonement. That seems important, right? So we went and we um, went through the lesson material that we were provided, and we compressed me and my other teacher that I teach with we compressed all of the springs lessons so that we could have like a day to just do the atonement the climax <laughs> of like human history <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, well I I told the students you know okay like tomorrow we're gonna be doing the atonement please be on time this is like the Super Bowl of seminary yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um of course, now we did the summer, and over the summer, the rest of the church studied Acts and Romans. Yeah. So we skipped all of that in seminary, right? It's a bummer. Acts and is fun. So what we decided to do this year was compress it again, but on this half of it. Yeah. So we did do Acts. And are you caught up now? Um. Yes. That's the point of my story. Okay. Is that we are still skipping verses, which. Or chapters or lessons, which is why I got, <laughs> you were allowed to I, skip, I got to skip Corinthians six. <laughs> why wouldn't you want to do six? What's what's wrong with it's six? Just, I didn't want to teach a chastity episode. Yeah, a, a, ch a chastity episode. They're not episodes. They're lessons. Episodes of seminary. We're doing lessons of podcast <laughs> and lesson episodes of podcast and lessons of seminary. Yeah, but um, I just I just didn't know I didn't know how to approach it mm -hmm. pr properly. I didn't know how to teach chastity. To I mean, look, I'm I ain't gonna say that I'm not a, a, a proponent of. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about it on the show. Yeah, like I'm so yeah, it makes me so tongue tied to, yeah. to even go, to even go there. Um and um, but I had the opportunity to instead teach Corinthians ten. Yeah, which has um, my favorite verse in like the the new, one of my favorites in the New Testament. Do you know which one I'm referring to? Um, um. Uh, I don't know. Used to be as, as used I'm to glancing... used to be a, a scripture mastery verse, actually. Oh, I don't remember those. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. Is it the one about not being tempted more than you can bear? That's exactly the one. Okay. I... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then uh, God is faithful, and with the temptation provides a way to escape. Yeah. It's one of my favorite verses of all time because it says um, um, that it just put it just puts a logical framework. On the world, yeah, it doesn't say that bad things won't happen to good people. Yeah, it only talks about temptation, 
right? How you won't be tempted above that which you are able, and there will be an escape. Yeah. And this is just really comforting. And the commonality of it, right? And there is no temptation taken you which is not common to man. In the translation, yeah. I'll use the phrase mankind. And um, this also really comforted me. To, yeah. Comforting to know that you're that. you are not alone in the struggles that you have to deal with. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Everything you've just said, I feel the same way. So now we're so now we're closer to being caught up. Yeah. So we're gonna go. We're gonna be syncing up with the regular schedule here. Listen, if you're a parent of one of the students I teach, and you're <laughs> upset that I didn't teach <laughs> Corinthians six, you know, come find me in the hallway. <laughs> Fair enough. You know what he looks like. But you want to talk about Corinthians 8. I want to talk about Corinthians 8, but first I want to talk briefly about the podcast. Uh So we'll work our way to Corinthians 8. Okay. So as I've been moving all the episodes onto YouTube, um, it's caused me to look at um, some statistics Mm -hmm. I've never really looked at. Mm -hmm. I don't have access to all the information you have because I don't have the, the passwords to Podbean where our hosting originates from. Yeah. But, um... Our episodes have been downloaded over 10,000 times. Yeah. Um, if you assume that people listen to maybe 20% of an episode, yeah. which um, I have no idea what the actual average is, uh-huh. but let's just say that's the case, that's 20% of 500 hours. Uh-huh. That's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of people have been listening to us. Um, I saw another stat on another site that um, hosts us that says we're in the top 10% of podcasts worldwide. Which was sounded really impressive at first, and then I realized there's probably a lot of people who report, record an episode or two and nobody ever hears them, and the, there's probably a lot of that. Okay. That's how the internet works. But still, I mean, that's an interesting number. Yeah, top 10% worldwide. That seems pretty respectable, honestly. Um, Especially considering, like, when I when we started this, I was like, eh, we'll see how many how many episodes we do before we stop. <laughs> I didn't really think it would have legs. I didn't think we would last this long, and I... Really didn't think anybody would listen. I mean, look, if you want to know why we're the top 10%, you should um, watch the Vsauce video on the Zip distribution. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know that <laughs> phrase, but I believe I know what you're talking about. It's and the same distribution as the words in the English language. Yes. It's just that a, is very popular. There's a big tail. Yeah. <laughs> Long tail. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm not like super impressed, but I have this rule of thumb like where a work of art was worth the time of the artist when more time has been spent consuming the work of art than the artist put into making it. Ah. And I think it's safe to say that we've definitely cracked that barrier. Okay. Like more people have spent minutes listening to us than we've spent minutes recording recording and and editing. Yeah. I mean, it's roughly an hour, an episode, 55 episodes, that's 55 hours. That's more than two days of solid face and hat available for your listening pleasure. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a lot. It makes me happy. Yeah, and um, and also, as I've been putting them on, I've listened to a lot of snippets, and I've actually listened to a few episodes all the way through from a long time ago, ones that I'd forgotten that we had done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us to Corinthians 8. Okay. And I'm going to read it to you out of the message. Okay, tell us about the men- message. Yeah, it's written by Eugene H. Peterson, and I intentionally say written by rather than translated by. Um, it is... A translation, but it's very loose. Like he's reaching for contemporary language. Um, he'll he's a lot more free. He feels a lot more free to pick a contemporary metaphor than than try to make an ancient one work. Okay. So well, well here's a question. It's biblically good, yeah. but it's not pretending to be a precise translation. But is it coming from the Greek and Hebrew, or is it coming from the English? No, he he is aware of 
ancient languages. Okay. He is relying on the ancient text, but his translation is not strict in the way that Thomas Wayman's is, for instance. Okay. But I like this one because it's very much in the modern English vernacular. And um, it's, it just, I mean, he's not a Latter-day Saint. So some of the things he says, like, you're like, eh, that's not probably how we would think about it. But it feels very now. And it really brings it to life. Okay. So I'm going to read all of chapter 8. Okay, so I should tell you. It's I've 13 read, verses. I yeah. read it twice. I read the King okay. James Version. Okay. And I read the... Um, uh, this Thomas Wayment version. I call it the Wayment version. The Wayment version. You have the revised edition. I do not. I have the older edition. And in both readings, I, I, I didn't get a lot out of it. So I'm really okay. curious as to hear what you got out of it. So um, I don't know his translation is so accessible that I'm not sure it's necessary. But I'll just say that there's a disagreement among the saints in Corinth of whether it's okay to eat meat that's been dedicated to idols. After all, we don't believe in idols. So, like, we don't believe anything's happened to the meat. Okay, okay. So I, I walk some meat down to an idol and I dedicate it. Right? Oh, well, not the saint. Somebody else has, and then they invite you to dinner to eat idol dedicated meat. Like, idol it dedicated okay? meat. It well, dedicated to an idol meat. Dedicated meat, dedicated or something. idol. I am not an expert on whatever religion yeah. is happening in Corinth at the time. But that's the idea. Like this okay. is like sacred to idol worshippers. Yeah. Um, but we don't believe in that crap. So uh-huh. like for us it's just regular old meat. Mm-hmm. Um so is it okay to eat it? Yeah. That's the question that he's going to address. Okay, timely. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so um this is gonna tie into the podcast, I promise. Okay. Um but I'm just going to read it to you. Okay. So you you enjoy. All right. You've already heard, listened to it twice, so this is really for everyone else's benefit because you are a man of, of wisdom and great learning <laughs> and understanding. The question keeps coming up regarding meat that has been offered up to an idol. Should you attend meals where such meat is served or not? We sometimes tend to think we know all we need to know to answer these kinds of questions, but sometimes our humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. We never really know enough until we recognize that God alone knows it all. Some people say, quite rightly, that idols have no existence, that there's nothing to them, that there is no God other than our one God, that no matter how many of these so-called gods are named in worship, they still don't add up to anything but a tall story. They say, again, quite rightly, that there is only one God the Father, that everything comes from him, and that he wants us to live for him. Also, they say that there is only one master, Jesus the Messiah, and that everything is for his sake, including us. Yes, it's true. In strict logic, then, nothing happened to the meat when it was offered up to an idol. It's just like any other meat. I know that, and you know that, but knowing isn't everything. And Aaron, this is the part where I think face and hat is coming into Mm -hmm. play. Knowing this fact isn't everything. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. We need to be sensitive to the fact that we're not all at the same level of understanding in this. Some of you have spent your entire lives eating idol meat and are sure that there's something bad in the meat that then becomes something bad inside of you. And imagination and conscience shaped under those conditions isn't going to change overnight. But fortunately, God doesn't grade us on our diet. We're neither commended when we clean our plate nor reprimanded when we just can't stomach it. But God does care when you use your freedom carelessly in a way that leads a fellow believer still vulnerable to those old associations to be thrown off track. For instance, say you flaunt your freedom by going to a banquet thrown in honor of idols, where the main course is meat sacrificed to idols. 
Isn't there great danger if someone's still struggling over this issue? Someone who looks up to you as knowledgeable and mature sees you go into that banquet? The danger is that he will become terribly confused, maybe even to the point of getting mixed up himself in what his conscience tells him is wrong. Christ gave up his life for that person. Wouldn't you at least be willing to give up going to dinner for him? Because, as you say, it doesn't really make any difference. But it does make a difference if you hurt your friend terribly, risking his eternal ruin. When you hurt your friend, you hurt Christ. A free meal here and there isn't worth it at the cost of even one of these weak ones. So never go to those these idle-tainted meals if there's any chance it will trip up one of your brothers or sisters. Interesting. I have to say that reads way more clearly than even... Sorry, Thomas Waymond. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe the strictness of his translation... I mean, it's still English readable. Right. Right? But, but it's still an ancient document. I had a hard time keeping it in my head, the flow, like this... I really like this ...more book. narrative version. Yeah, it's it's... I think it's a good one to have in your repertoire. Oh, man, I already spent money on a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't ask my wife how many Bibles I have right now. Um, so anyway, what do, you, what do you think of what Paul's saying here? I have lots of um, things that I now understood. I, um, mm-hmm. There's many, many different parts of it. One is about knowledge itself. Yeah. Right? Maybe just read that little bit about knowledge at the, kind of near the beginning. Strict, so nothing. we know nothing happens if you give meat to an idol. I know that, you know that, but knowing isn't everything. If it becomes everything, some people end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. Real knowledge isn't that insensitive. What does that mean? So I think what it means is that, like, knowing... So I'll give you an example. Right now in AP Lit, we are grading everyone's first essays anonymously on the overhead projector. Um... And I'm grading them and talking about like what they're doing well and what they aren't doing well. And kids ask questions. And, and it's it's a good way to teach writing that I've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had a couple conversations today about, say, punctuation. And one person had punctuated their essay with so many commas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. It was very New Yorker style. The New Yorker loves putting commas between every possible clause. The magazine. The magazine. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was New Yorker ready. Mm-hmm. But that's generally considered kind of an old-fashioned, stodgy way to use commas. Mm-hmm. And the students didn't care for it. And so um, who's right? Right? They're both right. Like, you can put a comma between all the clauses the way the student was doing, and it is correct. But the students are also right who say that's too many commas. It gets in the way of like reading and understanding because it makes you slow down too much. They're also correct. Um, and so, of course, with like the gospel, there's one truth. God gives it whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the point is that knowing something doesn't necessarily make it right. Like if you could know the rule how to put a comma in every single place, but maybe that gets in the way of other people's ability to read your sentence. Is, so is it better to do it the way the New Yorker does it? If it causes your peers to stumble when they read your sentence, maybe that's not a great example. But uh, do you see where I'm headed with this? Kind of, kind of, kind of. But I'm still kind of, maybe I'm still just bumping on that phrase. Knowledge is not insensitive. Um, maybe you don't want to rabble hole, hole um, too much. Well, real knowledge isn't that insensitive. I mean, knowledge is not impressed that you know it. Mm-hmm. Um. There's an XKCD comic. Love it. We'll throw it in the show notes where it says you figure that there are certain things that, quote, everybody knows. So let's assume that the same number of people learn that every day between, say, age five and age 30. Mm-hmm. So that 
I'm making these numbers up. They might be different in the comic. Check the show notes. Mm -hmm. But the point is that means roughly 10,000 people every day are learning some cool fact. Yeah. And you can choose to be the person who's like, oh, I can't believe you didn't know that. The know, or you it, can, the, the know it the all. know it all. Or you can be like, oh, it's so cool that you get to be the person who discovers this today. Yeah. And I think that that's kind ah, of what you're Paul's saying. The, the person saying. is be, the know it all is insensitive. Right. But yeah. Knowledge. Knowledge is, isn't. Knowledge isn't. Knowledge doesn't knowledge. care that you know it or don't know it. Knowledge is just knowledge. It's just there. Mm -hmm. It's a fact whether you know it or not. Atoms were there before we knew they existed. Yeah. And so the question then becomes like, what do we do with knowledge? How, what does that become of us? And that gets us to face and hat. Mm -hmm. But before we get to face and hat, I want to talk about the Berkeley Ward. Mm -hmm. We are Berkeley Ward themed. Mm -hmm. We are not Berkeley Ward sponsored. <laughs> we just happened to go there. <laughs> Let's make that yeah. clear. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I we read eight with my kids Sunday night. Uh -huh. and, and, I, and I had this insight that I'm trying to share now and hopefully will by the end of the episode. But I, I shared to them, you know, like, I, I worry that maybe this is the problem we have in our ward. Because in our ward, um, we celebrate, like, knowledge, right? And, mm -hmm. like, understanding things. And, and if you understand something, we sort of feel you have an obligation to share your understanding. And, and that, I think, is a very Latter-day Saint attitude. But at the same time, we have an abysmal rate of our youth going on missions. We have one on a mission right now. Mm -hmm. um, now... About half the time I lived in the ward, we didn't have enough deacons to pass the sacrament. There were times where we had zero young men to take it. Like, this is not a youth-heavy ward. Mm -hmm. But now, for a few years now, the, we've had enough youth where the young men can take care of the sacrament all on their own. Um, it's very unusual that an adult helps. And yet, um, although this has been true for a few years now, we have sent in that time, since, since the deacons fully took over the sacrament, we've sent out one missionary, and they're out right now. Mm -hmm. And um, this came up apparently in Young Men's. I wasn't there, but my kids told me about it. And they were joking about how, so um, our missionary's plaque came in. You know how wards like to get plaques? Mm -hmm. We got one. Mm -hmm. And the kids were joking how, like, he can have his own wall because there's never going to be another one. <laughs> and, like, it sort of broke my heart, right? <laughs> like, I really want kids to believe that missions are for them. But I think what's happened accidentally is that we're so... Um, willing to say like hey idle meat isn't gonna hurt you mm -hmm. and the kids are like oh i guess idols aren't gonna hurt you right like i don't know that i don't know that the distinction between idol meat isn't gonna hurt you and idol worship isn't gonna hurt you i i, I worry that we lose track of that distinction mm -hmm. and so um that's kind of like what i've been thinking about ever since sunday mm -hmm. since we read these scriptures with my kids and it also makes me wonder, like, sort of our our theme here, mm -hmm. of, like, our intention, our purpose on the show is to say Joseph Smith put his face in a hat and we shouldn't be afraid of that knowledge. Yeah. And I totally stand by that. Um, but on the other hand, it's perfectly true that weird historical facts about the church have thrown people in a big way mm -hmm. um, and caused people to leave the church and be confused and lose their way and, and not know that it's for them anymore. And so I, as I've been going through all our episodes and... I, I stand by everything we've said. I don't think we've said anything that's wrong or bad. But I wonder if sometimes we're like the person who um, goes and gets the free meat that's dedicated to idols because mm -hmm. we know it doesn't mean anything. It's not going to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so I'm just having like a moment where I'm thinking like, I think what we're doing is good, but maybe it's time for us to like pause and consider what we're doing and, and, and um, what effect we hope we're getting and what effect maybe we're actually getting. Okay. 10,000 downloads. Is, and that's just from one site. That's mm -hmm. kind of a lot. So, like, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's a real important question. And it, it I think it's a theme from, from very early on in our show. Yeah. Right? We haven't ignored this question. We haven't ignored this question. And it's one of the reasons why it's soon after we started the show, we started inserting into our episodes the following caveat. Yeah. Okay, do you know what I'm, where I'm <laughs> I going? I think I know where you're going, yes. That we are true believers. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get more orthodox than me, folks. I know other people don't think that, but it's true. <laughs> so that's, I think it's important what you're saying. So let's, let's, I just want to strengthen the analogy to make sure I'm totally with you. Sure. Um, the, um, what Paul is saying here, that it would be better for this person to not even go to this party where they're offering the, the idol meat. Yeah. Right? Yes. Um, because there could be a weak one who sees that. Sure. And then gets confused. And the point is that this idol meat right? This free meal, as Paul says in this translation, isn't worth the risk of having this weak one be um, confused and maybe lose their faith. Not what they say there, but maybe that's, I think that's That's basically, I think the point, yeah. That's really interesting. And yeah, yeah, I'm glad you, um, you're, I'm glad we oftentimes don't rehearse this, by the way, folks. We, yeah, it was surprising me to me to find episodes we clearly had rehearsed because uh-huh. I forgot that sometimes we do do that. <laughs> rehearsed, I mean, like at least planned an outline. Yeah, like there's an outline. We yeah. don't rehearse. We're not, we... we're not, a script. well, there are scripted podcasts out there. Yes, but we are not one we're of not those. We're not one of them. I mean, you just have to believe us. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually read from the Bible, though. I didn't make that up. So uh, okay. that, was, that was real. Um, or, or not the Bible, the, the message. The message, The yeah. Bible in Contemporary Language by Eugene H. Peterson. Well, I don't think I have an immediate response. Um, the, here's, let me say a couple reasons why I wanted to have these conversations. Sure. And then I want to question the premise. That would be fair. Okay. So let's remember that um, one of the reasons I wanted to do the show, especially some of the early episodes about polygamy and about, um, you know, Temple, Temple and um, Joseph Smith with his face in his hat was because um, I am, I'm a, I'm a, well, as we've said many times, I'm, I am a scientist, right? Yeah. And when I get in, when I get confronted with a truth <clears throat> um, about the church and its history that I didn't know about, two things immediately ring out in my head. A, how come I didn't know it before? Yeah. Right. Because I've been in the church a long time. You're one of the lucky 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's true. Yeah. But also, B, this seems weird. And how does it square with my testimony of Joseph Smith and of the yeah. the, the doctrine, right? And I just didn't really have a, you know, a venue to talk about this stuff. So there was some stuff that I, that I generally didn't understand and, did, and was worried about. And there was other stuff that I was just really excited about, and I don't feel like people were talking about enough. Yeah. Right? Things like theodicy, right? Sure. And Adam and Eve, and, you know, stuff that is the deep doctrine, right? So you could kind of break down some of our themes between the deep doctrine and the, the that is, you know, the stuff that's hard to understand in the church, right? Yeah. That's one set of themes on the show. And the other set of themes is, um, you know, the, 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 the problems, is that the right word? 
the the things that could cause you if you learned about them. Like, yeah, things that are upsetting, like things about if the you past. spent forty five years believing Joseph Smith was faithful to Emma in every possible imaginable yeah. way. It's yeah, upsetting and then you learn, learn otherwise, and then you learn about polygamy, right? And um, so I kind of wanted a place, a safe place, uh-huh. yeah. as it were. To talk about these kind of things. So some things that I wanted that that I needed to talk about and some things that I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Right? And I was happy to put it up on the internet and I was happy if nobody listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's kind of where I where where uh, where I came from. Now, I think the the premise yeah. of this conversation is should we have done that at all? Maybe, should, yeah. Should we arguably have, should we have shown a light shown a light into a corner of a room that would be better if we just closed it? Because I think both you and Aaron would agree. Me and with, you and me, you and Aaron, Aaron, you and Paul. Who you said you uh, and Aaron? You, Aaron, and you. myself. Okay. Did I say you and Aaron? Yes, you did. Oh well, you and me, Aaron and Eric. Um, I think that we both agree with the metaphor that sunlight is the best disinfectant. Yeah. Um. And so, again, like, I stand by what we've done, and I think it's good. Yeah. I think it is worthy. Uh, but it, it does, you know, it does raise the question, like, um, how respond if there's bad side effects, are we responsible? And, and like, how should we consider that? Now, Go let on. me give you one way to think about this okay. that occurred to me while you were speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, in Paul's metaphor of the guy who, like, goes in to the party and he's like going to laugh at the gods secretly and eat the free meat and like, and then the member who is like still struggling with idol worship sees mm-hmm. him go in, goes in there, go in there and thinks like, Oh, maybe, maybe it's okay. Like maybe uh, that's still part of maybe like is lost. Um, maybe the right thing to do, I think not going is fine. Like I'm not saying Paul's solution is bad, but maybe what if, what if that member had taken his friend by the hand and said, look, let's go check this out together. Yeah. Let's go. Um, see how this doesn't mean anything like now that we have christ jesus uh we can see that it's hollow and it's empty and it's meaningless and we can have we can share the meat and you can see that it's just regular meat what if you had done that and a mm -hmm. is that okay and b is that a better analogy to what we are doing a first of all Props for using the phrase Christ Jesus in an <laughs> episode dedicated to Paul. Like, You're like certainly welcome. Like golf clap for that. <laughs> okay. The second, um, Paul says to not go there, right? He does. Yeah. But but not because it's wrong, because we know there's nothing wrong with it. Because it doesn't mean anything, may but because you may hurt somebody ones. else, and hurting somebody else is bad. But I think the assumption in this statement from Paul yeah. is that you don't know who the weak ones are. I think that's a very important point and one of the big problems with my analogy. Mm-hmm. But do you still buy the analogy? <clears throat> oh, no, I believe you 100% that if, um, like, what my favorite example for a, for a controversy and a doubt in my mind. Yeah. Okay? That I feel like I've come to a much better place about over the course of the last bunch of years while we've been recording this, right, mm-hmm. is the 90... 90- 1978 proclamation on blacks receiving the the priesthood. Yes. Okay. And um, and it's simply by understanding that the past members of the church were racist. Okay. <laughs> Simple solution. <laughs> Simple solution. And, and unpleasant. Yeah. Also, to not con to still condemn them for that, but to recognize 
that everybody was racist. They were the weakest in this circumstance, perhaps. And they, and they were, and that what they were doing was wrong. Yeah. Okay? And it was corrected in the same way that everybody has been struck. Well, I won't say everybody. Plenty of people. Plenty, that plenty of good people. Every honest person. <laughs> yeah. Has been trying to correct over the course of the last 200 years. Yeah. Right? And I'm not saying we're there. And I'm not saying that I'm happy about it. Right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that I'm not embarrassed by it. Because I am. Right? Yeah. But if I hadn't... I mean, that's, that's an off-ramp. Mm-hmm. Okay? Learning that the church didn't give blacks to the priesthood until 1978, that's an off-ramp. That's a, sure. that's a, you know what, this probably isn't for me. Yeah. Right? When in reality, it's not that much past when, like, the all the other people the were... The further we get from that time, the... The closer the, the years, 1978 be. and, you know, yeah. the Civil Rights Act look to each other. Yeah. Right? That's true. And um, so this is what I'm trying to say, is that I I myself was was one of the weak ones. I think mm. when we started this show, yeah, like, I'll put myself in that bucket. Yeah, right? we shouldn't be so cocky as to think we're the know-it-alls. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so now I feel like I'm in a better place because of the sunlight. Mm. Right, because we did that episode on Christopher Columbus. Yeah, right. Because we talked about, uh, because we talked about this stuff. Isn't this a lot like? Isn't this conversation about not talking? Yeah, about past history and badness yeah a lot like banning books or banning sure discussion in florida about yeah about changing the narrative and racism racism and things like that yeah so um as a as somebody who just loves the first amendment it's really easy for me to say don't ban books and like rah rah and, and chant the slogans um but there's there's a lot of other ways in which we control what children can see right like which books are bought in the first place Mm -hmm. and um which books i leave around for my children to find versus which ones i don't so um so i am not justifying book banners at all like i i think it's a real problem and it's clearly just being done to hurt people i just don't see very many ways to put a nice spin on the current uh culture of book banning in the united states but um the question of like, what do we make available? Like everything isn't equal, right? I do want some things more easily available than other things. And we are all using our um, judgment to do this. And trained professionals are a useful tool and democracy is a useful tool and meetings are a useful tool. I don't think they're necessarily being used appropriately. Like people are using them as bludgeons rather than as as you know the democratic process Mm -hmm. but um it is a hard question like what do we include what do we not include to come back to like why don't we have missionaries in our ward i mean i think part of it is just that there's not a tradition because we didn't have kids for so long and so so there's no kid to look up to who did it i think that literally is maybe the biggest reason but i also wonder if um exposing um children to the complicated things that need sunlight like when do you when's the right time when's the right time to tell kids that we had a, a deeply racist policy in our church for a long time um you don't want them discovering that at a time where it will cause great damage but telling them about it early is maybe not i mean there's no right answer to this right you got to let the spirit guide and you're going to get it wrong a lot of times 
um, these things exist. And, and um, I think that hiding things from children is terrible, but I think forcing them to experience things they're not ready for is, is not that much better. Well, let's go back to the easy thing to talk about, right? Yeah. Which is the face and hat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Think about, we t- and on that first episode, we talked about this. Think about the picture that you were shown in Sunday school. What yeah. was the picture? It's always wrong. It's usually Joseph Smith, uh, you know, running his fingers down the golden plates with Oliver on the other side of a canvas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's wrong. That's because... a lie. <laughs> it's a dirty lie. <laughs> well, is lie the right word? No. Well, I mean, maybe, because uh, maybe lie is too strong, but I don't think it's inaccurate. It's, it's wrong. Yeah, it's right? wrong. And it, it's wrong because people... Somebody decided the truth was too weird. Okay. So, you can find out about that on our show, right? Sure. And that will be immediately confusing. But we get to put a lot of context into yeah. like why that's happening, yeah. right? Why um, this exists. And then we can argue that primary students, primary teachers, mm-hmm. should consider... <laughs> Just... Telling the truth in the first place. Tell, showing the right picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it so wrong that Joseph Smith looked at a chocolate-covered stone? How is that any weirder than any other explanation? Than the Urim and Thummim? Than the Urim and Thummim? Yeah. Or him just sitting on a table with Oliver on the other side of a canvas? It's like, cool, right? Yeah. It's cool. I mean, wouldn't... Like, you could imagine teaching a primary lesson where you went and you bought a bunch of, like chocolate easter eggs and unwrap yeah. them and oh, like these are oh like joseph gosh, smith's so fun these are like the sear stones yeah. right can you and then you broke them open and inside there was like a picture of nephi or yeah. something you know and it's like ooh, look inside there you know you could do cool stuff with them yeah right and this is probably the most harmless example yeah i mean the face and hat is a very silly thing to worry about when they're like actually troubling things uh, before we you move on, you yeah. have a thought. Don't mm-hmm. forget it. Can mm-hmm. I show you what I got for my birthday? Sure. You'll have to describe it because we are not a visual podcast. Mm-hmm. We tried on the first episode, by the way. Oh, did we? I don't remember that. I I've used the fabulous technology of the WMA file, which lets you insert oh. pictures. Yeah, I so noticed the, they were saved different in the first two seasons. In the original episode of the first season, I put in all the pictures of the chocolate stone and all oh. the different, including the picture of... Joseph Smith was his face in his hat that we use as our logo. Yeah. Right? And as the podcast would play, you would sw- switch between those pictures on my phone. Mm. And then when Fancy. we, when we like moved to Spotify or something, all that stuff vanished. I, I don't know. Oh. Why. Well, I didn't put it in the YouTube. Anyway, so. birthday present. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I get dropped in my hand. Hey, it's a tiger eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I realized recently that it looks very similar to the seer stone. You know, I have a tiger. I have a couple tiger eyes up there on oh, the shelf. I love tiger eyes. Yeah, and I um, always have. My wife bought this for me. It's it's um. D- describe the shape of it. So this one's a, a kind of a flattened oval with mm-hmm. a um. It's a bit indented, and um, the stripes are across the long axis, and it does the same thing that tiger eyes do, which I love so much, which is change colors as you change the angle. Yeah. So it's it's marketed as sort of like a fidget spinner for grown-ups yeah um which i like having because i kind of need a fidget spinner like i play with my keys all the time in class yeah. it's probably distracting but this is quiet like yeah there's no no sound effect i'm rubbing it right now oh no fully work um, but i realized i realized recently that it looks startlingly like the seer stone mm-hmm. i kind of like thinking i have a little seer stone in my pocket now mm-hmm um, anyway, irrelevant. You can cut it out if you want. What's, you were going to say something. <laughs> well, I want to make sure that I, 
Because this this theme, okay, yeah. which is not the theme that I expected that we would be doing talking about, which is awesome. Which of is it good? Yeah. To talk about things openly that for the past fifty years or past a hundred years, the church has tried to ignore. Yeah. Right. Is that good, or would it be better if we moved on? And I think that the answer. Well, obviously, I think that the answer is no. But at first, I wanted to make sure that we assigned some value yeah. to that answer. And the way I'm going to do this is by telling a story that I about my um, of an event that happened in my elementary school. Okay. Okay. Old school. So, and if I've shared this story on the podcast, apologies. Man, Listening to the whole podcast, <laughs> yeah. I have shared that thing about the science of spoilers so many times. You were very patient for not calling me on it in the last episode. There are a few things that I have apparently talked about several times. So. Um, when I was in elementary school, I went to a pool, yeah, right? a public pool. Uh, we would go pretty often, and it was great. This was in Corvallis, Oregon, small town, small college town with a Hewlett Packard company, mm-hmm. and. Um, I remember playing in the pool and and, and just having a great time. I, I don't know how young I was, younger than eight for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, a family of black kids all jumped into the pool, right? Yeah. And I was astonished. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, it's possible that this was the first time in my life. I'm not going to say it's the first time I'd ever seen, seen a black person because mm-hmm. that just seems crazy. But that I'd ever really noticed that there are people that didn't, look like i did yeah right and i remember asking my mom about it hey what's going on there he was like oh they just have different color skin Mm -hmm. i was like okay great and then i never thought about it again yeah all right or at least i didn't think about it for until like a for like a decade like Mm -hmm. to me i didn't i didn't care at all about skin color because I, i just understood inside of me that it was the same as hair color or eye color sure didn't matter yeah because it doesn't. <laughs> or shouldn't. But as or Paul shouldn't. says, like, just okay. because we know something. Okay, but here's yeah. my next point. For a long time, but of course, then I learned about the Civil War, right? Yeah. And then I learned about racism. And then I, at one point in my life, I looked back at that, and I was a little sad that I had lost that innocence. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I used to think, wouldn't it have been better if I had never lost that innocence? What some people call colorblindness. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the answer is no. The answer is no. It's yeah. an emphatic no. Yeah. That the, the, it's still a problem. Yeah. Right? And we still need to write laws. And we still need to fight for programs that yeah. teach properly about the, the horrors of the past. Still right? need to because overturn if... the Alabama legislature's new gerrymander. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just happened. <laughs> but that's my point is that, um, that, we, ha- that we have to talk about it. Yeah. So does that mean Paul's wrong? Well, that's that's what I'm trying to decide because I don't think Paul's wrong. And I think in his specific example, given the people that he's talking to, I think it probably is right. Like, let's say, let's say, Aaron, that um, there's a bar in town that has absolutely the best calamari in town and that I live for calamari. Let's just say that. That's weird, but um, okay. I'm, I just make things up. It's my job. Oh. Um, and... But let's say across the street is um, a family in the ward who has um, 
that both parents have really struggled with alcoholism and they've been clean for a few years and then um and their kids like to them like not drinking is the most important thing they learn in church because they've seen like how it affected their parents and and so they live right across the street with big windows and they see me going in there twice a week mm-hmm. i only stay for like you know 20 30 minutes and then i leave um and I am the elders quorum in the ward, mm-hmm. and I go to ward council. I go to bishopric meeting. I'm invited to stake meetings, and um, and I, you know, I stand up as a sort of authority figure. Um, and I don't know, like that seems like it might be a real problem. Yeah, yeah, and maybe this is where Paul's analogy is shouldn't be taken so far. Yeah, right. Where, yeah. So in your example, it was like a restaurant that serves alcohol? It's, no, it's a bar. It's An a straight-up bar. bar, but they have the best calamari. The best calamari. So that's maybe it's a specific example. Yeah. And that we shouldn't try to expand it to encompass... Every metaphor breaks down when you push it too hard. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe 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 you shouldn't go to that bar in, that, in this, think, in this yeah. example. I mean, I think I probably shouldn't. And I may not even realize what damage I'm calling, causing. Yeah. Right? Avoiding the appearance of evil is something that, um, yeah. again, another thing that my mom And I'm not doing anything about. bad. I, think it's, it's, I know I'm not doing anything bad. The yeah. Lord knows I'm not doing anything bad. But yeah. I might be really hurting some people. Yeah. Like, I still, I felt, like, I, I feel uncomfortable when I get served a drink, a mm-hmm. non-alcoholic drink, at a party. Yeah. In a a, a container <laughs> that yeah. looks like a glass that where you would serve wine in, right? Yeah. Like I had a soda at a party very recently, actually. It looked like a, essentially it looked like champagne and how it was returned, reserved to me. Yeah. But it was cider, right? Yeah. And people know that I'm Mormon, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I get nervous, mm-hmm. right? I'd prefer, I'd wish, I would have rather it was in a paper cup. I forget who it was. Maybe we can find this story and put it in the show notes. But um, a well-known Latter-day Saint whose business required him to um, attend things like that and mm-hmm. and visit establishments for alcohol, like consumption was the norm. And he always asked for milk mm-hmm. because he felt like he didn't even particularly like milk, if I remember correctly. But he didn't want any, he needed a drink. Yeah. And he didn't want anyone to be confused. Yeah. Um. I'm not going to do that. I yeah, just don't like milk that much. Yeah. <laughs> it is, however, like the only drink that get, works. Maybe I could get like a, a nice chocolate soy or something. <laughs> there like aren't any other kind of al- non-alcoholic drinks that work, like yeah. water, soda, yeah. grape juice. And you're all. really limited. You're really limited if you don't want to look like you're drinking alcohol yeah. at a party. Um, let's go back to the main point. Yeah. Um, would it be better if we didn't go there? I think the answer is no. But I also think that we need to carry some humility to that question. Yeah. We can't just say that we're right. Um, and I, I I don't know. I, I suppose it's something we ought to struggle with. I mean, 10,000 pe- downloads is really not that many. It's not so many. And it's mostly the same people. Yeah. Probably the same person downloaded the same episode some five of them, times. A bunch of them are, are relatives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, and, and I do think that from the feedback we've gotten, um, it's mostly positive. I think most people feel that there is a net good to face and hat. Uh, but I also think that we should, you know, work on our humility. Um, how does, how does uh, Peterson put it? You know, we don't want to end up as know-it-alls who treat others as know-nothings. And I, I think we don't do that because I feel like what we're doing isn't modeling knowing stuff that other people don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I 
feel like we are honestly attempting to describe the process of learning. I, I, I think that's what we're trying to do. But I know for a fact that I come off like a know-it-all more than you do. So I would like to apologize to everyone. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I think that's fabulous. Um, I did not... I don't know what the answer is either. Either. Um, yeah, I really don't. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that, that is... If, if we didn't... How about this as an argument, right? Yeah. This might feel like... Um, a cop out, right? Like if we didn't talk about this stuff, then someone else will. Right? Sure. Right? There all a lot of the stuff that I mentioned before is used in anti-Mormon texts. Yeah, I mean right? a lot of the stuff that we talk about is the same stuff they talk about. Mm-hmm. And our arguments is that they're inter- they're not interpreting it the same way that we are, right? Or that there's no, they're, they're ignoring context that's really important. Right, and we can bring that context to some of these, to some of these issues. But ultimately, um, all truth comes from God, mm-hmm. and so the best we can hope is to be some kind of conduit for God, which is also what Paul's saying. Right, like we're supposed to serve each other. If you're hurting someone because you're eating idol meat, you're hurting Christ. And but in the same way, if um, you know, Jesus said. You know, the least of these, right? You served them. You're serving me. Yeah. So um, ultimately, I mean, one thing that's true, and this is so true of the internet, but it's kind of true of all human interactions, is that no matter what your intentions, things can go wrong. And you do the best you can, but ultimately you can't always control how people are going to receive what you're giving. Should we close it there? Sure. With another, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. We did a whole season of I don't knows. I, I so do, why not start? Yeah, you know, do another one. That's fair. Uh, I do think that maybe um, if any episode was requesting feedback from our listenership, yeah. it's probably this one. Yeah, we're genuinely interested in what you have to say. Um, we're both on the remnants of Twitter. Yep. As is face and hat at face and hat. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave comments on YouTube now. You can use comments on YouTube and. Um, the best place, though, to reach us is on the Discord. Yeah, please um, come to the Discord. The link is in the show it's notes. It's cool, man. Yeah. Um, we're a proud member of the Dialogue Podcast Network. Indeed we are. Uh, you can find lots of great shows out there. And uh, we'd like to thank our person that made the music for yeah. us, Daniel Foster Smith. Good old Mr. Smith. Which I still enjoy every time I put <laughs> it on the start and end of the show, man. Well, good. You know, we did ask him to compose two different versions, but you've only ever used the one version. Yeah, that's because I like it. You like it better. That's fair. <laughs> fair enough. It can just be a mystery. And not all mysteries get solved. Okay. Thanks, Eric. Yeah. Well, thank you, Aaron. And um, more episodes forthcoming, unless the feedback is so strong <laughs> we like, have to stop. Stop what you're doing! <laughs> For the love! <laughs> The time has come! Read the room! No more face and hat! (laughs) Let us know if that's your feeling. (laughs) The end.